Borderlands is so sweet. All right, guys. We are about to get started. Caleb D'Amico, this will be a different type of preaching thing. But, uh, it's a little different. Good, good to see everybody virtually. We are all here. Um, so we have a panel here, which we are grateful for. Uh, we're going to start off in a prayer, and then we will continue this evening. Uh, thank you, God, for bringing all of us here this evening, God. I pray that everyone is safe, God, and uh, no one gets sick, no matter where you're at, God. I pray that this discussion is awesome and wonderful, and people get a lot from it, God, and it's a great learning experience as well, too, God. I'm grateful for it. Uh, the people who are new, God, because it's a, it's a whole new world, God. I just pray that you use all of us, God, through everything that's happened this weekend and through 2020, God, that everyone's having a blast at the conference, God, um, where we're really enjoying each and every moment, God. We love you so much. Speak through everyone who's going to speak today. In Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, guys, I'm going to uh, just say something really quick about the guys and the girls, and we'll let them speak. That uh, They're going to share a few like a brief lesson piece each and every one of them. Then after that, uh, we'll start allowing some people to join the screen. So, so uh, yeah, well, I don't know how, I think the box looks, looks the same on everyone's computer. So Lee is at the top left. So I'll talk about him first. So Lee, he is from Duluth. He, he him and his wife leads the campus ministry and, and kind of help co-lead the church in Duluth. Uh, so he's gonna, he's one of the speakers, grateful to have them. They recently had a kid, their kid is five months old, I believe, six, oh, they're close, six months old uh, kid or whatnot. And they, they're, they've been doing a great job in Duluth. So they are one of the panelists. Uh, Lee had, he's very passionate about this stuff. So he's gonna do a great job in this lesson. And we also have on my bottom right left screen, Kyle Perkins. Now he was in Milwaukee for a while and he recently just moved uh, to Lansing, Michigan. And he's helping lead Michigan State, Spartan Nation up there, you know, and he's just, so he, he's going through a lot of transitioning. And so Kyle is also one of the moderators here as well. We're looking forward to hearing what he has to share also. Awesome. And we have Tori Hood at the top right. She is at Purdue and is in Indiana. She's a campus minister out there. She's actually new to the Midwest. We love her and we're so grateful for her. And then we have Lindsay at the bottom left. And she is a campus minister in Kansas. We, her and I, we briefly interacted here and there, but she is so sweet, so beautiful. I'm so excited to hear what she has to say. She loves God. And I know she they've all really prepared their lessons for tonight. Awesome. So, so guys, we will pass it over to them so they could uh, share their spiel. All right. Thanks, guys. I'm actually going to kick it off. Um, good evening, brothers and sisters. I'm so excited to see all of you virtually. Uh, like Rachel was saying, my name is Tori Hood, and my husband and I have the privilege of serving the campus ministry at Purdue University, which is in Indiana. So I'm 25 years old now, but I'm going to do my best to go back in time six years and give you a picture of my life when I was 19 years old and a freshman in college. And at that time, I was very new to campus ministry and very new to this family of churches as well. So first, just a little bit of background about me. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I grew up going to a Methodist church, actually, from preschool through high school. And I considered myself to be a good Christian throughout my childhood and teenage years. I got good grades, didn't drink, had a lot of friends from church. I did have a boyfriend throughout high school, and there was quite a bit of sin going on in our relationship, but I kind of was just letting it slide. Um, when college started, I actually stopped going to church completely. Um, I had been working as a hostess 
at a breakfast restaurant in high school and I had been promoted to server in college. And so I started working on Sunday mornings, was making great money, and it just became more important to me to make money and also to get good grades. And it would have been very doable to commute to the church that I had grown up in, but I just didn't really make any efforts to do so my first semester of college. Um, I made okay friends my freshman year, not the best. Um, they were good people, but we just didn't really share the same values, um, many of us. Um, partying was never really my thing, but I would sometimes go along with my friends to the parties they went to. We never really talked about God. Um, our lives basically just revolved around school and having fun. So after my first semester, I was doing some, some reflection. I was talking to my really good friend, Hannah, who I've known her for years. And I was just telling her, like, it was an okay semester. Like, I ended up with good grades, you know, made a bunch of money. Like, things aren't, like, wrong. Um, but I just felt like something was missing. And I just felt like I, I was missing that sort of church family that I had grown up in. And really, I was missing God. I mean, God was just really absent in my life my first semester of college. So my friend Hannah invited me to some campus ministry events, and we started doing some personal Bible studies together. And let me tell you, really looking at the Bible for myself in college and figuring out what my convictions really were was life changing. Um, God's word and my friend Hannah really called me higher in my discipleship. I realized the extent of my sin and how I had just been really complacent in my walk with God and how I had just settled in so many ways and was not living like Jesus. Um, and hanging out more with Hannah and the brothers and sisters in the ministry showed me how seriously and intentionally God wants us to live our lives for him. I was like, wow, these people are the real deal. <laughs> And the way that they cared deeply about my heart and my soul and what was really going on in my life was like incredible. Like I really felt the love of Jesus from them. And the guys in the ministry too, they just seemed so genuine. Like they were not um, like most of the guys at my school. Um, they, everyone in the ministry just seemed to have really pure hearts. I could tell they just really cared for my best interests and my relationship with God. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, I feel like I can't say the same things about the first friends that I had made in college. In fact, a lot of those friends encouraged me to engage in things that were sinful. So the scripture I really wanted to share with you guys tonight is in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 33 through 34. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. And while I was studying the Bible, I really felt like God was calling me back to my senses. <laughs> um, after many conversations um, with my boyfriend in my life, um, we ended up breaking up. <laughs> um, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done to cut off that relationship, but it became really clear that he didn't want to pursue God the same way I did. And I just knew that I couldn't be yoked to an unbeliever, like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We were just not heading in the same direction. And so what happened was just this big shift of me, like going from like my friend, my main friend group being my college friends to like my friend group now being like basically the campus ministry. Um, because hanging out with my old friends who just didn't like think and act godly necessarily just wasn't it was really influencing me. 
So when I decided to get baptized and become a disciple, I decided there were some friends I would still, you know, like have lunch with or study with. Um, but some of them, I just like wouldn't hang out with them late at night anymore because I just knew that like we were going to get into trouble. I was going to be tempted. And so I had to really let new people into my life. I really had to let the brothers and sisters um, really into my life. Um, I desperately needed their perspective and their friendship. And so my friend Hannah, um, when I, you know, became a disciple, started coming around, she actually challenged me to meet like one new person a week in the ministry um, and to really open up to that person and ask them questions about, so how do you act like a disciple in this area or that area? Like she made me like text people and be like, hey, can we get coffee? Can we hang out? Um, it was it was very intentional. And so I really had to just let new people in. Um, I think that's just the the biggest thing I can say tonight is if you're if you're new, um, yeah, just really open yourself up to new uh, godly relationships in the church. It will just make all the difference um, in the world. So love you guys. And thanks for sharing, Tori. Um, so yeah, my name's Lee, and uh, you know, similar to Tori, I didn't really grow up in the church. If there's, yeah, if there's one thing to know about me, I think um, as I was coming to God, I guess as I grew up, something that that I think really colored my life, like a theme um, when I look back on, is that I was always like pulled in different directions. So I grew up in a in like churchianity, right? American Christianity. My dad was really not into it. My mom was into it. Eventually they got split up and, and that was a sea to navigate as a kid. Um, but I always grew up with this, like th this identity that, that Christianity and Jesus were really good, that the Bible was really good. And, and, and somehow I should follow that, but I was obsessed with sports and I was obsessed with my friends and I was obsessed with, with girls. And, um, you know, I, I wanted my parents to, to be really concerned with that. Like I was, I was really concerned about what my parents thought of me too. And, and so I was trying to maintain all these things. And I was just getting tugged in every direction. Um, and then when college started, it was just like that amplified, you know, I, I threw myself more at sports. I became obsessed with academics. Um, I became obsessed with my friends and it led to just, I think the, the classic stereotypical college life of, of just, you know, getting into drinking, getting into all that jazz. Um, and I was, I was, I was living for myself. Um, and I knew, you know, at some level it was like really empty, right? Because, it, and everybody will tell you, at least what I get from American culture is that when you're in college, that the thing that you're supposed to be doing, what people say you should be doing is like living it up and living wild because like, this is the only time that you're going to be able to do it before adulthood. Right, and so you go for, like drink with your buddies, live it up, have a good time, and I was I was just doing just that. Um, and I remember I I remember having this like realization. I was you know I wasn't like super ham. I was drunk with my buddies, walking to going like from party to party kind of a thing, and I just realized it wasn't fun. Like like even just, just thinking like what are college parties, right? It's a it's a group of people who are are in this gross basement. Cause you're in a college house, right? Just, just disgusting unfinished basement. It was probably black mold, right? And it's like really wet everywhere. Um, and you go in there and all the guys hate each other for some reason, that's just this unspoken code. And then all the gals really aren't wearing clothes. So they're really cold, like it's a Wisconsin winter. Um, 
and they all think that the guys are just perverts because a lot of them are. Um, and, and so it just, it just isn't fun, <laughs> you know, and people were telling me that this is what I should be doing. Um, and I was just hoping that, that I, I was hoping they're wrong. You know, I was hoping that they're actually something more in life than, than just party hopping, um, you know, and, and getting exhausted on the week, during the week, on the weekends, like ev everything felt exhausting because I'm playing, I was a rug, I'm a rugby player. So I'd play rugby during the week. Um, and I would just stay up really late doing homework, waiting for the weekend. Um, and then the weekends actually weren't restful because you're getting really dehydrated. You're staying up way too late. And then you've just got this crazy headache by Sunday. And now you have to do all your homework. And it's, it's, it's awful. Um, that's when I really wanted to make a decision. Like, look, I, I know I've claimed this whole Jesus thing. I know it's good, but I need to find out what it's all about. And I need to actually make a decision like in or out. Uh, and so I got in Bible studies. That's a, that's a long story. Um, but I was just blown away by how good God's word was, right? I, I read about this Jesus guy and the way he treated humans was so different. And the way he actually called everybody higher was so different. It was like the most freeing thing in the world, but at the same time, it's the highest standard I'd ever seen. Um, and so that was awesome, right? Getting in Bible studies, having people just, you know, rip into my life in such a good way. Like I would just, we would, we would get in the word and they would challenge me. But at the same time, it was love and kind of like what, what Tori was saying, which is just feeling love. Um, but I still had these, this whole thing about being pulled, right? I, I was, I was now, and it felt worse. <laughs> like when I got in the church, it felt like the, the pulling got worse because now Jesus was in there and he's just like, now he's tugging the line and he's wanting more and more rope. Um, and so my, like my rugby friends were like offended that I weren't doing, I wasn't doing things with them. My girlfriend at the time, you know, there was a lot of sin there. She was offended that I wasn't, you know, carrying on the relationship like normal. Um, all of that. And and I, at times I just didn't even know what to do. Like, is this what I want to do? And the scripture that really stuck out to me was in Matthew 6. And it's it's a pretty common one that, we'll, that we go to. Um, and that's good. Matthew 6, 19. So Jesus talking. He's in the Sermon on the Mount preaching to his disciples. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Or moths and vermins destroy, or thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart, excuse me, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one, to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or, or some translations will say God and mammon. And, I, and, and so we have this, this first buildup that Jesus gives of, of, it really comes down to two masters, right? It, it, it's one or the other. And he continues to go on, who's going to be your provider? Right? Is it, is it going to be yourself and all these anxieties that you think are going to help you? Or is it going to be the God who is already caring for all of creation anyways? And it caps off in verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. But tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
And like I said, it just made everything so much more simple. It's a mindset that I could just cling to. It, 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 it anchored me. Right? There's where am I focusing? Am I going to put my wealth, my worth? Like that's, that's the whole point of this first, like verse 19 part. Where's my value? Well, if it's in these things of the world, that I should probably pursue that. But if, if I think that God is the right way, then I should pursue him. Where's my focus? Right? Is it, is it going to be on really what you know, NRV translates that as healthy, the healthy things, right? The good things, God, or is it going to be what's unhealthy? And it all comes down to these two masters. In, and in the Greek, it's two lords, right? You can only have one Lord. You will either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And it, when, we, when we hear love in that, it's not feelings. Like it's not, because that, that'd be pretty hard to control. Um, it's lifestyle. And he taught like, like being devoted to. So, so that was something, it, it made everything far more clear. You know, there still were these decisions that I had to make, but I could always put it through this lens that, and, and I and know what the right thing is. So, amen. I hope that's helpful. I love you guys. Excited to hear what uh, Lindsay has to say. Awesome. Thanks. Well, hey guys, uh, my name is Lindsay Marco. I am a campus minister in Lawrence. And I studied Spanish at the University of Kansas, Rock Chalk. I think we have like a couple Lawrence people on here. Uh, but I was baptized and became a Christian my freshman year of college. So I've been a Christian now for about seven and a half years. Uh, and before college, I had grown up going to Catholic school my whole life. Uh, but weirdly enough, my family's not very religious. My parents split when I was in middle, middle school you know, kind of Christmas, Easter type of deal, and eventually not at all. But I grew up around the Catholic Church, kind of going through diff the different sacraments or milestones. You know, you got First Communion, Confirmation, all that kind of stuff. But my faith was never wrong. Of going through most And I seriously doubted a lot of the tradition that I grew up around. I am a very logical thinker, so if something's not explained to me, I just, I don't really believe it. And I, I just saw a lot of hypocrisy in the church, honestly. People who claimed to follow God, but whose lives looked exactly like mine, and I was not claiming to be a Christian. And I kind of felt like, okay, uh, if the God that you follow inspires this kind of life, then that is not a God worth following because your life looks the same as mine. And, and I wasn't living like a Christian and in high school, I was definitely a sports and school kind of person. So a lot of my sin was easy to hide. It was a lot of inward sin, um, you know, self-righteousness, pride, bitterness, a lot of junk with my family, um, all of that kind of stuff. And so I found myself pretty closed off to anything faith related for a while. Uh, but my freshman year of college at KU, uh, God had me show up one Sunday to church with a group of friends from, from my dorm. So I lived in a dorm and, and one of the guys, we were all friends. We all became really close friends, weirdly enough, on my dorm floor. And one of the guys had become a Christian. And so he invited some of us out to church. So we showed up. And my experience at church that day was unlike anything I had ever experienced before. People were happy to be there. 
they, you could tell they had deep relationships with one another and everyone had a Bible and was actually reading it, which I thought was weird. And people were hugging each other, which I thought was extra weird. And, but again, there was just something so different about, about this, this energy that I walked into a church that day. So I, I started, you know, spending time with the ministry, kind of watching to see, okay, are these people for real? Or are they just a bunch of like hypocritical Christians like I was used to? And, and a few months later, I started digging into the scriptures with some girls uh, and really digging into the scriptures on my own for the first time. And I saw that the life of a Christian was meant to be characterized by 100% devotion to God and his people. And not just showing up once a week or checking the boxes like I was really used to doing, but a life committed to living for God and bringing in his kingdom. And I had a lot of sin to repent from. I had to completely change my life, my priorities. Uh, I think uh, school and vanity, those were my idols. And it really was a, a like complete life change for me. But I knew that, okay, if if I'm not going to be just another hypocrite, I need to do this for real. And so whether, you know, you grew up in the church and you're coming into the campus ministry as a freshman, or maybe you just started studying the Bible or recently became a Christian, if you're anything like me reading the scriptures, this level of devotion can seem kind of intimidating, like kind of daunting, like how can I, can I do this? Can I actually do this? Like this is this is a lot. And after, there's a passage in verses 41, 47, that was my go-to to kind of keep me from getting overwhelmed or distracted and to help me stay focused on what was most important, important in this phase of my walk with God. So Acts 2, starting in verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I love this passage because it's just the most perfect snapshot of the first century disciples, how they lived and what they were devoted to. They were committed to studying the word, to fellowship, to communion, and to prayer. And they held on to these things tightly. They lived life together. They had everything in common. You look at this passage, this is a family. And because of their devotion to these things, their faith grew, but others became Christians as well. And so I, I love this passage because I think it helps me to see that it's, it's more simple than, than I can think. Sometimes I can way overthink things. And so I found this scripture especially helpful when I found myself pulled between my friends in my life outside the church and my new life and family in the church. I was not used to my new life as a Christian. I was just a freshman in college, and I really did love my friends outside of the church too, 
we'd study together, we'd get meals together, we'd hang out on the weekends together. Um, and, you know, they're sitting in there too, drink together, stuff like that. But, but I, I did love these friendships that I had with this group. And I felt conflicted between, you know, hanging out with my friends that I already had made and, you know, going to Devo on a Friday night to hang out with the campus ministry. But the scripture made it simple for me. My commitment to the body of believers mattered to God. And good things would result from my choosing to prioritize these things in Acts 2. So that's what I did. That's what I focused on. And I'm not saying it was easy. And I'm not also not saying that becoming a Christian means ditching all your non-Christian friends, because that's not necessarily it either. But I am so glad that I decided to be devoted to the ministry and to be fully committed to my new life as a Christian. And because of that, my faith grew, my character grew, and I built friendships with people who helped me walk through trials faithfully. And now these are the people that are my best friend, you know, years after college and through all different types of new life stages. These are the people that are still in my life today. So as you're adjusting to this new stage in your faith and the campus ministry or just trying to figure out how to follow God in general, I would definitely encourage you to hold on to this passage in Acts 2. And so passing it on to Kyle now, I believe. Yeah, sweet. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, guys. So my name is Kyle Perkins. I uh, lead the campus ministry in Lansing, Michigan. Um, yeah, I'm. so I'm originally from uh, the west suburbs of um uh, of Chicago. Uh, my, my story, my, my sharing is going to be a little different. I, I'm actually a kingdom kid. So I grew up in the church um, and I'm not going to share the beginning of my discipleship, but more so my transition in campus ministry. I, I became a disciple uh, in the teen ministry uh, right before entering the teen ministry. I was about uh, 13, about to turn 14. Um, but, you know, throughout my discipleship, prior to transitioning into campus ministry, um, I, I think, so naturally I am a very introverted uh, individual and I think it was um, very easy for me to um, be sucked into my own comfort zone, being, being a part of the kingdom and being a part of the team ministry. And uh, I was actually a part of two different campus ministries. So the first campus ministry I was a part of was at, at Midpoint. Uh, so I was there for two years. I went to a community college um, nearby Chicago. And uh, I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of close relationships uh, in the midpoint ministry. It was a long drive for me to go to campus devotionals, um, to, to go to campus events and to, to build strong bonds with a lot of the brothers and sisters there. And I think at the time I really, I wasn't really aware uh, of the, the lack of deep relationships that I had uh, in the campus ministry. Um, and after after uh, my second year at community college there, I, I got my associates and I was transferring to a university in Milwaukee. And when I moved there, the, the culture was just completely different. Um, and there was more opportunity for me to uh, build stronger relationships with people. I moved into a household with 11 other brothers. Um, and there were I mean, a lot of the disciples in the, the city of Milwaukee, they were always close by. So I really didn't have an excuse um, to miss opportunities to hang out with people. 
Um, and I think even though, you know, even though I, I, I had a lot of opportunities, there was still a temptation for me to uh, to want to sit back and not strive uh, for those those close connections or those those deep relationships. Um, and, you know, the, there's a passage here in uh, Luke 11 that I wanted to share with you guys. It's um, Luke 11, verse 9. I'm reading ESV. Uh, it says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Uh, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And I, I share this passage because I, I think about how there's a, you know, a temptation, um, you know, when you're when you're transitioning from teen ministry to campus ministry, I think there's a temptation for people to think, uh, well, why aren't people initiating with me, you know, initiating these uh, relationships? You know, if if I you know I can recognize that other people have close relationships, but maybe uh, you might not have some close relationships with people. But in this passage, you know, I think Jesus is calling you know, his disciples and his audience to say, hey, we have to make every effort in our faith uh, to work hard for what, what we might be asking for from God, um, you know, and, uh, you know, if, if you recognize that you don't have close relationships, then man, you got to tackle those things, you know, you got to tackle having deep connections with people uh, in, in the campus ministry, and I had to recognize that when I moved to Milwaukee, I realized, man, like, I don't have a lot of close relationships, like, you know, looking back at the, the ministry I was back in Chicago, seeing these guys in the household, I'm like, these guys are close, you know, and I, and I, um, you know, I realized like, man, I, I really got to make every effort, my faith um, uh, to, 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 to build strong bonds between these guys and, and the sisters as well. Uh, and I think it, it really helped bring me out of my comfort zone. You know, there was, I think, you know, before I moved there, I, I was a disciple for already six years, but when I moved to Milwaukee, I think the four years I was there, I definitely, um, my, my, my faith and my conviction, uh, in different aspects of my walk grew a lot more rapidly compared to the ministry I was a part of in Chicago. Um, and yeah, I just, I think I just want to encourage you guys with that. You know, we, we should recognize that, um, you know, especially for those of you who are freshmen coming into the campus ministry, or those of you who are new to discipleship, you know, I think it's, it's important for us to value and invest in close relationships. You know, even if there are things that, uh, it's hard for you to relate with another individual, making time to, I don't know, if you're not into video games, still trying to, you know, t play, take time to like play 2K with the brother or, you know, playing a sport that you're not used to playing, you know, really just taking time to hang out with people and, and having quiet times with people, going on prayer walks with people, taking every opportunity, making every effort in your faith to reach out to the people in your, your campus ministry and in your discipleship. And I think when you're able to do that, you're really setting a good foundation for, uh, your walk as a disciple. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I had uh, to share with you guys. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle, for sharing. Um, hi, guys. My name is Hazel Hawkins. And I actually live here in Columbia, Missouri. I uh, serve in the campus ministry here. And similar to Kyle, I'm also a kingdom kid. So I, yeah, it's really interesting. I, so I think for me growing up, I, um, I'm actually a preacher's kid. And so pride is my kind of my middle name or was my middle name. I was very prideful, very, I'm very air. I just, by nature, I'm very prideful and very arrogant. Um, just, I just think I, 
you know, I struggle and I think I did struggle with thinking I knew everything. And I also grew up, uh, I played a lot of sports growing up and so I'm very competitive by nature. Um, and so, you know, for me growing up in the church, I, I really wrestled with thinking that I was good and that I was good enough. Like I didn't need, um, you know, I didn't need the foundational Bible study. Like I, I literally took, convinced myself my freshman year of high school that I didn't need the Bible studies. Like I could just go ahead and get baptized. Like I was, I was good to go. I lived, you know, I lived a good life and I didn't, I don't know why I thought that way, but God had to humble me a lot and God had to teach me that, you know, I was nowhere near <laughs> where I thought I was. Um, and it's so funny. I'll never forget sitting in my living room with my dad and just, I was telling him, you know, dad, I, someone at church asked me if I wanted to study the Bible and I don't know if I want to do that. He was like, I'm going to pray that God humbles you. And so I just remember thinking, wow, that's, <laughs> I really need, you know, I need these Bible studies. So I studied the Bible. I became a Christian, but you know, that does, uh, we all know it doesn't stop there. So after I became a disciple, I actually, when I read, I became a disciple my senior year of high school and I actually moved to Pullman, Washington, um, very small town, like three hours outside of Seattle. Um, but I moved there for a one year challenge and my moving there, I thought that I was going to do all these amazing things. Like it was a lot of, I made it a lot about me doing a one-year challenge. And if you guys know anything about a one-year challenge, it's not about you. <laughs> You're serving a church. It is not about you. It is not about how cool you are. And, you know, discipleship in general um, is not about us, right? So I think moving there, I had the I had the complete wrong heart, and God made that very clear while I was out there. And um, I really struggled in my friendships with the women. Obviously, I, I didn't know them super well, so going out there and thinking that I was stuff, they had a problem with that. <laughs> they didn't like that. Um, so I really struggled to make friendships there. And even I, so eventually I moved back to Columbia to start college. Um, and I struggled a lot in my friendships here as well. Um, just because I was, I was so prideful and, um, I wanted to be better than everybody else. I just was so competitive. I wanted to beat everybody out. I wanted to be on top. I wanted to be a Bible talk leader before everybody else. And I wanted to baptize somebody. Like I remember thinking, I'll never forget when, um, the, the first girl, when I was in the campus ministry here in Columbia, the first girl who got baptized, I didn't baptize her. And I remember I was, I struggled the whole baptism. I didn't share at her baptism because it wasn't about me. I was not in her Bible studies. And so I just, you know, oh, sorry, is my sound being funny? Can you guys hear okay? Okay, sounds good. Um, but uh, so yeah, that's, that, that's just, I just wanted to paint a picture of where I was at uh, in my pride. And so I wanted to share this scripture in Philippians 2. Um, Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And so... You know, to say that this scripture, <laughs> I was not living the scripture in any way, shape or form. 
Um, but I'll, I remember our campus ministry, this was actually our campus, our, our, the theme scripture for our campus ministry for all of 2018. So I felt like that was totally God, like telling me that I needed to humble out. And um, I actually remember the entire year I memorized that scripture and I really fought to put others above myself and to actually think of others as better than myself. And I think as a, you know, when growing up in the church, it's really easy to think because I grew up hearing sound doctrine and because I grew up hearing the truth, I grew up hearing, you know, what was right. I saw it lived out. I have a lot of, you know, mentors in the faith that I just think are amazing, that are so spiritual. And um, I thought because I had seen that, because I had been a part of that my whole life, that I was on top and everybody else who didn't live that way was, you know, uh, not on my level. And so I think that I just remember, I think it must have been so my sophomore year living that scripture out. I remember intentionally going into every meeting of the body thinking, okay, everybody in this room is better than me, <laughs> wiser than me, more spiritual than me, and they're going to help me. And uh, it's funny, actually, my, so my sophomore year, I took it upon myself to ask every sister in my campus ministry, how can I grow? <laughs> what, what, how, how, what do you see in me and how can I grow? Um, I had never done that before. I was the one telling everybody what to do and telling everybody else because I thought I was better than them. So it was really humbling to hear the women in my campus ministry say, Hazel, you know, I just feel like you're really prideful or Hazel, you know, I, I just feel like you can be really harsh sometimes, or I feel like you aren't as loving. That was humbling for me to hear. I, you know, cause I, I had never invited that. And I realized too, that because of my pride, you know, sisters in my ministry felt like they couldn't approach me if I hurt their feelings or because I was so prideful, they felt like I was unapproachable. Um, and so I realized that, and I had to apologize a lot. My freshman year, my, soph my sophomore year, my junior year, I'm a senior right now. Even my senior year, I still have to apologize for being unapproachable or for, you know, not being as humble as I should. And so, so I share that, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, be so hateful on myself, but I share all that to say, I think that, um, you know, the people in my, I need the people in my life and my pride really kept me from seeing how much I need the women in my campus ministry. You know, I, and my, I, I had taught myself that they need me, <laughs> but really I need them. And, uh, and so I think once I developed that mindset, I was able to serve the women and I was able, not just the women, but I was able to study the Bible with people. My, uh, my heart just grew a lot softer. So I just think humility is such a big thing in campus ministry and humility, not just in campus, but in our discipleship, humility is such an important part of discipleship. We have to be humble. We have to be humble to God because the scripture says that God will humble us if we don't humble ourselves. So we have to be humble. We have to humble ourselves out to God. But we also have to be humble to others because you know we, we need discipling. And I think to struggle sometimes if you've grown up, I think about it, it's similar in sports. If you're really, really good at a sport in your ministry, let's say you're really good at basketball and your ministry decides, hey, let's go play basketball. You know, you're gonna wanna show out, you're gonna wanna show everybody up. Don't tell, tell me what to do. I think in discipleship, we have to have the opposite mindset. We have to be willing to 
you know, you're wiser than me, you're better than me. And I think that helped, I think that helped my relationships with other people, but it also really helped my relationship with God. So anyways, that's all I got. Thank you guys for letting me share. And yeah, hope you guys have a good night. All right. Uh, thank you panelists for sharing all your great feedback. It was awesome hearing from you guys. Now guys, uh, before we open it up to uh, questions that you may have, Rachel just posted uh, just posted something that's important in there. If you want to come on screen to share an encouraging comment or question that struck out to you while our panelists were sh sharing, uh, feel free to uh, ask us, and we'll try to get you on there to like share your encouraging comment or your question that you have. Uh, and while you're doing that, there's a couple things, because I know this class is called New to the Journey. So we're assuming, for the most part, most people on here are new to some extent. Either you're a freshman, you're new to the ministry you're in, um, you're new to Christianity. You're new to some extent. Um, so there's there's a couple words we just wanted to have our panelists explain really briefly, just so you can know what it was. Uh, so Kyle, I know you mentioned about Kingdom Kids. So I know some people are new; they may not know what a Kingdom Kid is. So did you want to briefly explain like what a Kingdom Kid is, really briefly? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think the label Kingdom Kid, um, basically anyone who grew up and the churches that we're a part of, so the, the ICOC churches, International Churches of Christ, anyone that was literally born um, in the church and you know their parents were members of the ICOC churches. So that's 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 what I would say is a, is a kingdom kid, uh, being a part of that atmosphere their whole life, yeah. Yeah, so essentially people grew up in the church. Uh, I know you mentioned about a one-year challenge. Can you briefly explain like what a one-year challenge is for people who don't know? I would love to. So a one-year challenge is essentially taking a year off from school. If you graduate, I graduated high school, took a year off. But people who graduate college, that's pretty common. They take a year off and they go somewhere and they just serve a church for, they just give up a year of their lives to serve in our churches. So. Thank you. All right. So I know Trini, you'd like to share. Yeah. So if you'd like to share, like we said, Oh, there she oh, she's there. She's Trinity there. is coming to the stage. All right. And anybody else who would like to share encouraging comment or question, feel free to request us. We try to get you on here. Hi, can you hear me? We can hear yes. you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm very encouraged by all of you guys' story. I myself am a kingdom kid. Um, my mom, she was the uh, youth minister of the church, and so I got a lot of teaching at home and in church. <laughs> so, but the thing is, um that ended up you know causing a big rift in my relationship with god because the thing is it's like all my life i was raised in a church that were very spiritual we didn't really concentrate on the bible so i didn't spend much time in the bible and after a while of me doing that i just thought the bible was unnecessary and the thing is then the more and the churches i was in was very toxic it was based on works and the more works you did the more you were christian-like and um, it didn't matter what, where your heart was when you did those works. It was just, you know, as long as you did it, you were Christian. So that I knew that was wrong. So I started to depart from the church. And I think my departure from the church was really what it was a humbling experience for me in, my, in itself because I stopped hanging around those people that claimed they were Christians. And surprisingly, I got hung. I started hanging around with a lot of atheists surprisingly like witches i know it sounds crazy <laughs> and it sounds like a bad situation but meeting these people they were a lot kinder and like you know compassionate than the people i actually met in church 
and they did a lot more things that were in the Bible that now that I'm reading the Bible now, I realize it was a lot closer to what they were like Jesus wanted us to do, but they had no relation to Jesus. But that didn't really wrap me up into like, you know, being an atheist because I knew I still love Jesus myself due to the fact like how much how important he was in my life. So the thing is, um, I'm a sophomore now and freshman year, uh, I still hung around those friends that weren't related to the church. And the thing is, you know, that was uh, that was I learned a lot about what I wanted to do and how I didn't want to be a part of the church that I grew up with. And the thing is, sophomore year, all those friends disappeared. <laughs> they, God really ripped them out because of the pandemic. They end up staying home. So I was completely alone here. And I felt that aloneness seeping in. And one day I was walking to class and, you know, one of the ministers from Columbia, um, I think it was Anna and Janice, they went ahead and act, they pulled out head headphones in and they stopped me and they said, do you want to come? I was like, why not? And I did. I'm so glad I went ahead and came along. And, you know, doing that, when I joined, I thought I would be like, you know, since I grew up in the church, I was like, you know, I should be like, you know, pretty up there. Like they should like, Come on, I was raised in church. But then I started going to Bible study and I realized that I was not in a position where I was like, you know, up there in the kingdom of God, but I was a disciple. Well, I, I needed to be taught. And I was starting from the beginning again, which I never thought I would be because in the church that I usually grew up in, they said, hey, you needed that. Since I spent so long in the church that I was a high Christian. I guess that's work. So the thing is, I want to ask you guys, how can and but the thing is, having that mindset, growing up with that mindset, it still sticks with me every single time I do something. Every time I say something, I'm saying it out of, hey, I want to say this or I want to do this because I want to get praise for it. I want to be looked as better. So I wanted to ask you guys, how can I like, you know, do better? And when I want to share and give that I don't have that mindset of getting praise from people instead of like, you know, doing it for God. I want to do stuff more for God. So yeah, I want to know how to do that. We probably have like just one or two of our panelists. Feel free if you want to answer that. Hey girl. Um, Girl, you're awesome. I'm so happy that they stopped you. Um, but I think, so your question is, you know, how do you, when your heart's in the wrong place, how can you still do the right thing? Or like, you know, change my heart to where I'm actually doing it for God and not for just, you know, the praise. Yeah. Well, I think that's natural. I think that's a very natural human struggle. I think we struggle with wanting praise. Um, I think that's just our sinful nature. and humanity but um i think the thing that has helped me the most honestly and is prayer like i i think before i do things i remember sharing this but even like my sophomore year literally before every single diva i don't know why it was divas that i felt like the most prideful like i had maybe it's because we had more new people i don't know why but i felt like i had to really show out and so i just remember i just i would pray like god help me not to make this about me, like help me to make this about you. And I would recite scriptures and so, and I think too, I just had to be open with the women, like the women, hey guys, I'm really struggling. Like I'm really, I'm thinking about myself. 
I'm not thinking about God. And so those three things really helped me a lot. So, so yeah. Thank you, Hazel. I'm gonna go ahead and write that down. I'm using my notebook that Destiny gave me. <laughs> go ahead, Lee. I know you had your hand up. Yeah, um, Trina, yeah, appreciate you sharing what you're sharing, just being real. Um, I think something that helped me, um, so I grew up kind of in, in you know, church culture, or whatever, I wasn't a preacher's kid. So, um, and I didn't have, you know, my, my parents weren't in, in staff on any church, but when I was studying something that like helped me because I always was the most religious among my friends and I was on the rugby team. So it's kind of a low bar, but, um, but it's still that idea is to realize who Jesus, like what his kingdom looks like. Um, and the thing that humbled me out was the Sermon on the Mount, right? It starts off with this, this whole thing about blessed or poor in spirit. And it's just like a list of people who you'd never see. Like if there's a king who's going to come and establish his kingdom, he would go to like the Herods, to the Caesars, to everybody in political power and be like, guys, my kingdom is going to be sick. It's going to take over the world. But he actually does the opposite. Um, so that that helped me. And then realize who Jesus really does oppose are the prideful. And I don't <laughs> I feel like that could be really discouraging. Um, the, the reason that did encourage me is because Jesus talks to that so much, right? It's to the Pharisee, the Pharisee. When we hear the word Pharisee, we think of people who are just like really uptight because we only really get the Bible's view of them. But back in the day, Pharisees were actually like the respected people in society. Like they were the preachers and the preacher's kids. Like you wanted your kids to go hang out with the Pharisees' kids because they got good morals um, and they're probably gonna do well. Right, they've got a they've got a nice loving household and all this stuff, um, and they they really thought they had it going on. But Jesus was really quick to to, to critique them, and that's what we see. And I say that because I think that's encouraging because it, it's Jesus desperately wanting to love those people. Like he has come to Jesus, King of the Jews, Pharisees, very Jew. Like like they are Paul. Paul considered himself a Jew of Jews because he was a Pharisee. <laughs> Um, Jesus desperately loved those who have prideful hearts and who are kind of drawn to that. But then just pay attention because Jesus is always talking to you. He's always trying to get you to grow. Um, so, so amen. It, it sounds like I, I love how you just have this, this view though, that like, I'm not letting Jesus go, right? I might be hanging out with, um, you know, with people who are, who are literally pagans, right? Who are literally in paganism. And I've, I've, you know, you met them too. And some of them are just super nice people, just like atheists. They just they, they can be great people. Um, but but you're just not letting go of the fact that, you know, Jesus is good. So that that just fires me up. Um, hey Amen. I hope that was helpful. It was helpful. Thank you guys so much. Um, I will start. I'm, I'm really trying to get better because, you know, you never know when your time is up. So I'm yeah. so yeah. grateful. Awesome. Thank you, Trinity, for being bold and asking the question. We do have another question on in the chat. It says, how do you soften your heart enough to stay dedicated to changing your behavior? And so Marissa asked this question. Maybe we can get two other panelists to answer this. I know we got a few more minutes left here, so just letting you know. Yeah, I can share real quick. Um, Sorry if it's a little echoey. I had to change my location. Um, 
But yeah, man, it is hard to have a soft heart. <laughs> and I think the thing is, is we can't change our hearts on our own. Like we just can't like totally repent on our own. That's impossible. So I think the biggest thing I would say is just, you know, pray, like really invite Jesus in and ask him to soften your heart. Just beg him to soften your heart. Um, I also think of the scripture in Romans that talks about, you know, not being conformed to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I think God's word, the Bible, will also help you transform your mind and keep your heart soft. Um, so th those are the main things. I mean, I think practically, like, I think it's great to have accountability too, just to like, you know, tell your friend like, hey, like, I'm trying not to do this anymore. Like, can you just like ask me about it occasionally? Or like, you know, can you, you know, somebody who has um, a good grasp of what your, you know, your life looks like and everything. But yeah, man, I would just pray, pray that God would keep your heart soft. I think that's lifelong. I want a soft heart for the rest of my life. You know, that's something I still have to, you know, ask for. So yeah, great question. quick too. I think, um, yeah, I like how Tori touched a little bit on accountability. Uh, I think that's, that is a big key. Um, you know, I think there has to be um, more than one person, definitely several people in your life that know you very well um, to, to help keep you humble and for someone that you can um, be open with uh, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. There are more than several guys that I call um, and just open up to about my sin or my emotions, um, things that, that, um, are driving me crazy throughout the week. You know, I, I have to, I have to be open about it and I have to share, uh, with those guys and, and accept their feedback and, and, and really be humble to what they have to tell me, uh, and share with me. Um, and they, sometimes they ask me pretty difficult questions too, just to kind of draw me out and I have to be willing to hear what they have to say, um, to constantly, uh, for God to, to sharpen me, uh, constantly. So, um, I was just yeah thinking about that. But. Awesome, thank you. All right, thank you, panelists, for sharing. Um, I know it's almost eight o'clock right now. Uh, we we didn't see any other questions in the chat, or it didn't seem like anyone else tried to get on to ask a question. But if you do have any questions for our panelists, they're still here. Um, on the side of your screen, there's a networking thing, so you could uh, take time to ask your question uh, individually to somebody as well. If you got more in-depth questions or whatnot. Um, yeah, so, so that's another way to communicate with them. And the next session will be starting probably shortly, the jam session, chill out room, and game room. So if anybody got any questions, feel free. Uh, let us know. And you can put in networking. You can ask somebody. <laughs> you can ask somebody uh, to answer your question or whatnot. All right, Jane. All right, thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, give yourself a round of applause. Pat on the back for our panelists. Yes. Also, I'm sure you all know how to contact any of us too if you have any more questions. Mm -hmm. Thank, thanks everyone for sharing. Yes. And awesome. Coming. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you guys. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm so happy you were able to join. Hey, so. I know. Oh, my God. I, this is all so new. We're all working. It's a work in progress. <laughs> so, all right. right now, we're all logging off. We're not answering questions right now. And then if people want to ask ask us individually, they can reach out to us, correct? Yeah, the thing is, so from honest, we haven't seen anybody else try to ask any questions. Well, <laughs> Noah, Noah had a pretty good one. Noah, 
No, I'm sorry. No, I'm probably joking. How can we balance where guy? <laughs> oh, that was a few seconds. Oh, uh, no, just put that. Well, Noah, he could, he could ask his wife if she want to go networking, and then she can answer his question. I'll answer his question. What is it? I was studying with the guy. Kind of, do any of y'all want to answer Noah's question? He was Caleb had a pretty good question, too. Who uh, had a question? Caleb had a really good question. I think we should answer. Oh, yeah, definitely. He got my number. He can call me. Yeah, we can do a face. Like, we can figure something out. All right, so let's see. Noah, Noah God calls us to follow Jesus with all our heart. Why shouldn't I drop out of school and move abroad? How can we balance where God has planted us with the need to drop everything? Who kind of do any of y'all want to answer that question? Yeah. yeah. We still got a good amount of people on here. <laughs> we all got I could maybe hop in on that one. Cool. Um, so I, I, I don't know if this is exactly what he's kind of thinking of or addressing. I know with some girls in our ministry, there's absolutely this desire to like go somewhere cool and serve God, almost like kind of romanticizing it in a way. Um, and I think something we've had to talk about a lot is like laying down roots and really being like being present where you are and, and planting yourself where you are. I think even like on a practical basis, just seeing the need where you're at, I think is really helpful to recognize that if God has reached you where you're at, the likelihood is that there are also needs where you're at, that there are souls just like yours that we're looking to know God or missing something and they didn't know what it was. So I think just seeing the need, even within your campus ministry, not to say the mission field, like there are absolutely, that's a need for sure. So not to downplay that at all, but if you are in college, get an education, that's what you're there for. But even seeing like, we'll talk about as a campus ministry, like if you just even consider the stats in on like a typical college campus, like, the the depression, the anxiety, the suicide rates, the the sexual abuse on campus, like there there's so much brokenness right where we're at. And sometimes I think it's so helpful to stop and really evaluate the need and and to see the brokenness, to have compassion on people as Jesus had compassion. And like in Matthew 9, 35 to 38, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So I think just looking on the crowds and our crowds are sometimes just our college campuses or our classmates and, and having compassion on them and, and really using this time if you're planted in your little college town to have, to, to be willing to have the greatest impact where God has placed you, trusting that there's absolutely like God, you keep, God could call you straight into the mission field abroad, like when you're done with school that, and that's amazing. That's absolutely a need, but there's so much value, I think, in really being present and being planted in the short time that you are in college. So, yeah, I have going on that. Uh, if you think about like the Jesus movement, right? Jesus is going from town to town and he's preaching. I think Rachel, Rio, I'm getting some feedback from you guys. Love you. Um, but he's going from town to town. He's preaching, and not everybody can just get up and follow him. A lot of people do. Um, and he, he chooses some of them to be like among the crew, right? But a lot of people have to go back to their hometowns because they have families that they, and the, and the expectation is that they, they take the sermon that they heard from him or the message or, or this, this new kingdom and they bring it to their 
community. And you get that like specifically in Mark five, um, Mark chapter five, like verses one through 18. It's, there's this guy, right? He's the guy that nobody wants to mess with, especially if you're a Jew. He is among the tombs, so he's hanging out around dead people. That's a no-go. He's hanging out. Um, there are like pigs nearby. He's like cutting himself, so he's bloody. He's got demon possession. Like nobody likes this dude, and he's really violent. Um, and Jesus, he goes and heals him, and it's like if there is one guy you want around as like the look at my power kind of story, it might be this guy. Um, but if you get to Mark 5, verse 18, as Jesus was getting in the boat, so Jesus got to move on. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. So this is the guy who's healed. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell all, um, excuse me, to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. So they're just like, like the people hear this and they're getting fired up from his message. and. Jesus knows that this guy is going to have weight in his community. They're going to be able to see this, this night and day transformation. Um, and that in and of itself is powerful. And God wants that. That's a part of God's will. So I think that's really helpful because I felt that same thing. When I, when I heard like the Sermon on the Mount, it's like, I'm gone. Like, no, I don't want any, I don't want any of this treasure. Let's just take me to Thailand. Like, I do not care. The farthest place that I can think of, let's go do this. And I romanticize it, just like Lindsay said. But the truth is, amen. And, and I think there really should be a bigger line of people who are going into foreign missions. That is weird to me. That there are people on this earth right now who haven't heard of God's word. And, and we're just kind of okay with that. Um, but at the same time, there is this notion that God has put you right where he wants you. And you can have an impact. And you should have an impact because he's your king. So, amen. Those are my thoughts. Awesome. Thanks a lot, panelists, for sharing. You guys did a great job. So, guys, at this point, um, if you have any more questions, feel free to uh, ask. You can uh, invite somebody networking and ask your question. Um, I'm sure you can uh, find a way to contact us, email, whatever ministries we're in or whatnot. So, thank you guys for joining. That is it for tonight. Awesome. Thank you, panelists. We're Thank so grateful for the time that you guys put in to doing your lessons. You guys rock. We'll see you later. Awesome. Bye. Bye.